What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Because He Did, the podcast where we talk about testimonies. Christian, who do we have this morning? Yeah, today we have Jason Perkins on. Um, just recently graduated with economics from tech. Let's go. Break him. <laughs> um, Jason, actually, we met through a math class at Texas Tech, which is crazy how sometimes God works in those things. But um, yeah, Jason's soon to be kids intern, intern at IABC. You start what next week? Hopefully next week. Yeah. Okay, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you most excited for? I guess with that internship, um, or nervous for? You can answer both questions. I think nervous for. Um, I've always been told that I'm more mature for my age and and how I've acted. So really, people tell you that you're mature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so going and talking, translating just how I am to children to me seems something that's going to be hard. Um, because when you ask me, I don't think I'm good with kids, <laughs> but yet here I am. <laughs> yeah. IBC. I don't like, why do you feel that way? Cause like, I, I think I've had similar thoughts, but like also when I go about like, kids camp, about you, no, about myself. Oh, okay. Um, but sometimes when I just step into that environment, I'm like, Oh, I worried all this time about how I'm going to relate to these kids. And then it yeah. ends up being fine. But I don't know if you've had those thoughts. Oh, for sure. And uh, you know, Comforting wise, though, I've had people tell me, oh, it's almost even better to talk to them as adults. Mm. And so part of me is thinking, maybe there's nothing that I need to change, that I just need to be treating them as adults. Yeah. Yeah. And see see where that gets me. But yeah, I I do think I am excited, though, to, you know, because I think a lot of times, uh, you know, preaching or talking about the gospel, you're you're telling a story to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. And so I am excited to learn what it means to tell a story to kids. And then see how that translates into me talking to adults and sharing the gospel. Yeah. Because I think that's a big part of it is yeah. you're telling a story to somebody else. Yeah. And I think that, like the beauty of it too, I mean, we'll get into your testimony, but the beauty of it too is they ask deep questions and sometimes it throws me back too. It's like, whoa, like you're only like fourth grade and you're asking some pretty deep questions. Um, but it's like the ability to explain these like deep theological concepts to like kids, mm-hmm. which is like, I think grows me more than probably anything the kids ever learned from me. But yeah. Um, but yeah, also Jason is going to be a BSM intern come the spring, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So tell us about that. Tell us about like what your experience with BSM has been, I guess, so far. Before. Um, yeah, yeah. So, and you'll hear this uh, uh, in my testimony because BSM is, is a part of my testimony. But mm-hmm. I started going to a, a men's group there. And just really fell in love with it. There was a, a leader, uh, the guy who, who led my men's group, who was one of the key leaders at BSM, was just a very big impact on my life and, and to my story. And so when he spoke into my life about many different things that the men group goes over, and again, I'll talk about that more later, mm-hmm. um, I was just very impacted by that. And I had gone to a couple of their Wednesday nights and, and just really enjoyed it. And so when that leader spoke into my life and said, hey, you know, I think you'd be a really good fit. And he said that in the perfect time, as all of the, the the things that I had placed my faith in that were broken reeds were falling down and crumbling. And I was starting to build this concrete structure around God. Mm-hmm. And he spoke in this crucial time that really put it all together and made me realize, yeah, no, I, I think I really would enjoy being at the BSM. Mm-hmm. And so the men's group was kind of just that starting off point. And now I've seen a lot of the other things that they're doing. I'll be going to a leadership meeting of theirs pretty soon here. Um, and, and 
find out all that they're doing. I found out, I don't know if y'all this, but y'all ever hear about VSM's Pancake Nights on Broadway? Yeah. Yeah, I'll be there this this year. Okay, cool. Yeah, and so I didn't know they did that. I had never, I never went to that strip, uh, Broadway, on those days. And so I thought that was a really cool and unique idea. And I thought of myself being in that environment and got really excited for it. That's pretty cool. Man, that's exciting. Well, to kind of get started, um, just hearing a little bit more about you, do you mind telling us just what what your church background looks like? Like, when did you first, I don't know, get introduced to the, the church? Um, yeah, so that's a pretty typical. I mean, I, I grew up in a church home. Okay. Um, both of my parents, well, I shouldn't say that. My mom grew up Catholic. My mom's from Mexico, and so mm-hmm. she grew up like a... a Typical Mexican Catholic, very mm-hmm. strong. It was well ingrained into the family to be a Catholic. And when my mom came here to the States, um, I don't think she went to church as much. And so long story short, she kind of converted more into a Christian mm-hmm. and liked their ideals and everything, you know, with Christianity. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad, on the other hand, didn't really grow up uh, too, too religious. Um, it wasn't until like, he met my mom that they started going. But Early on, I went to church. Uh, I actually grew up going to a Methodist church. Okay. Um, and I did that for as long as I remember. And yeah, then when I came here, I continued going to church. But, but yeah, yeah, I grew up in the church for a good while. How was that? Like, do you mind telling us just a little bit about, um, were there any influences in like that Methodist church? Like, were there any moments, I think, of like the gospel? Because I assume you were like actually presented the gospel. Mm-hmm. While you were there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, was was there anything that sticks out to you from your time there? Like, did you come to Christ while you were attending the Methodist Church, or? Yeah, so my church experience in general uh, during that time was was kind of a hard one. Uh, my parents were Christians. If you'd ask them if they believe in God, they'd say yes. I think you know. I think of Jonathan Placuda's questions. They're not his questions. I can't remember who he got them from. Yeah. But it was like, oh, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, do you think they'll go to heaven? I think both my parents early on would say a 10. Okay. Uh, but it wasn't very apparent in our day-to-day lives. Mm-hmm. You know, I think back, I, I finished reading a book called The Praying Life by Paul E. Miller. And throughout the book, he talks about praying in, in his family and, and just how apparent it was. Like, you mm-hmm. know, if a kid of his lost something, the first they do, hey, God, can you help yeah. my kid find his, his lost ring, you know, mm-hmm. or his lost, you know, toy. Yeah. And mine wasn't like that. Mine was God was on Sunday and every other day, you know, and we'd pray before dinner and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I don't ever remember my dad when I was having struggles being like, you know, we should look towards the word and toward mm-hmm. God, you know, mm-hmm. not to say that maybe wasn't based in the advice he was giving me. Mm-hmm. Um, but so on the Sundays that I was there on church, my parents would make me go. And most of the time I, I didn't mind going. Uh, I've always had a just a general curiosity for most things in life. And so when I was at church on a Sunday morning, I was so curious. I would ask questions about God and Jesus and would get very interested in the whole subject. But as soon as I left church, it was over. Yeah, it all went out the window. Who cared? Uh, you know, my mind went on to whatever was in front I of me. I satisfied my curiosity while yeah. I was there. While and I was so. there. Yeah, exactly. Um, and not to mention, too, the church I went to for Houston standards. Mm-hmm. So I, I was uh, born in uh, I was born in El Paso, but I was raised in Houston. That's basically where I'm I'm from. Mm-hmm. Um, was technically far for Houston standards, and so most of the kids that went there all went to a different school. It was in my district, but they all went to a different school nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was kind of hard for me to make friends. 
and I'm sure a lot of Christians have had this critique on churches in general, but my church was definitely very clicky. Mm-hmm. So clicky, in fact, that it was kind of well-known within the church community. That was the biggest problem with you know, middle schoolers and high schoolers and elementary mm-hmm. school was it was clicky. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing I wish I would have realized earlier on was it was clicky, or it felt clicky to me, especially because, you know, I only did the Sunday mornings. I didn't do, you know, the cool trips. Yeah. I didn't go do the weekly <laughs> hangout sessions and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if, if I would have done those, it would have been a different story. Yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, it was clicky for me. And so it was hard for me to make friends. Mm. Um, and it wasn't until what my, my junior year of high school now, now given like how I kind of mentioned earlier that I'm, I'm a curiosity driven individual, I had kind of still shown that all while going through you know, my adolescence. Yeah. Uh, and so a lot of people kind of pegged me as that the, the head or at the time, the assistant pastor would just know me as questions because <laughs> after some of the sermons, I would go up there and have a bunch of questions. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Like really curious. Then. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and so a lot of the, the upper leadership kind of liked me for that. You know, mm-hmm. they, they sensed the, the curiosity of me and the want to, to know God more. Uh, which I didn't recognize as that. In my mind, it was the, just to want to know something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was the want to know God. Um, and yeah, and so I had uh, one of the ladies in particular that was there, and you know, this being a Methodist church, of course, she was uh, one of the pastors there. Her name was uh, Miss Teresa. Mm-hmm. And she was by far one of the most influential people in my life. I mean, spoke mm-hmm. to me a lot. Uh, she was very involved in children's ministry. I think she was, she oversaw all of, all of young or all of you know children's high school middle yeah. school mm-hmm. um and she seemed to be really taken by me mm-hmm. and so i would talk to her quite often um just about questions or thing in general yeah. um and then junior year we got a new uh location for our church that mm-hmm. was closer to my house it was kids in my school district and then we got a young or a new um what is it? Youth pastor. Oh, okay. His name was TJ. I'll never forget him. <laughs> TJ was this really small, uh, <laughs> exciting, just bundle of joy of God. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was so great. Um, and I loved him, man. He was so wonderful. I mean, when he would go and preach for, for us in the morning, it was mm-hmm. great. He also did guitar and sung. Okay. Um, and he really liked that I would come and talk to him and ask him questions. Mm-hmm. And then when we would go into our small groups... I would also be the one to be asking the questions. Yeah. And so he and I would, would talk a lot. We had met up for coffee a couple of times. Um, and that's, uh, yeah. And so he was a big part of mine. And, and eventually, too, I uh, would do a, a small little internship under him and learn even more from him. Yeah. With that, too, like the questions, like why is that such a difficult thing for people to ask like have you ever wrestled with that like am i asking too many questions or is it even okay to ask these questions in like a church environment like have you ever wrestled with that or like what would you say to people who are scared to ask does that make sense yeah no for sure um for me i would say it's it's hard for me i'll spend even even now i remember the other day uh i already had a question in my mind that i've been thinking about and uh, when I went into Sunday morning church, I was like, okay, in my mind, you know, Pastor Steve, the one who usually uh, preaches, I'm like, I'm going to ask him. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the whole drive to church, I'm thinking how I want to frame that question. Because mm-hmm. for me, I want my question to be, 
you know, like, like a picture. I want it to be painted correctly. I don't want to leave yeah. the corners off. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure the bush is the shade that I want it to be. You know, I, I want it to be there and I want my question to be concise and clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, that's where I usually get stuck. Mm-hmm. And so if I feel that it's too murky or muddy, I'll get lost in my own head and go, oh, maybe I should wait on my question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so sometimes I get hung up on something like that. Um, but there are other times where I'll just go, oh, you know, he said this in the sermon. I'm curious about this. I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. Let me just go and ask. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times for me, it's I try to do it as quick as possible. Yeah. When I was younger, you know, I didn't think about it. Yeah, yeah. I just go up there and ask him a question. Yeah, that's why they're there. Yeah. But now that I'm older, I'm self-conscious. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm, I overthink things, yeah. you know, yeah. like everyone. Um, and so I guess that would be my only advice is I usually just try to, I've got this question, go up there and ask it, that's, you know? Yeah. So when, uh, kind of back to, to your story, when did it change for, for you from general curiosity to mm-hmm. like an interest in Jesus, like mm-hmm. an awareness that like this was more than just like some little questions that needed to be answered or some, some curiosity that needed to be satisfied or, yeah. or, or was that just part of the progression? Like did that curiosity just intensify? Like mm-hmm. what, you know what I mean? No, no, no. I, I do understand. Um, so I would say that the curiosity definitely just getting more and more intense because mm-hmm. things started getting more and more serious. Yeah. You know, not only my eternal damnation for the life that I choose, but also the life that Jesus Christ has to offer. Mm-hmm. You know, such a, a serious thing. And to me too, when I think about, when I, when I think of the cross and I think of Jesus and I think of the idea of him taking every sin that I've done and every sin that I will do, and I've never met this guy. To me, that was such a serious thing. And I couldn't wrap my head around it because it was like, but I don't even know him. He doesn't yeah. even know me. Why, why would he do that? Because I, I would always sit there and think, you know, if, we're, if I'm going to take it as an absolute truth, that he did that, he did it for everyone, and he did it for me, why would he do that? Mm. And so that was a big question for me that was, you know, I have to find an answer for that. But to kind of address the first part of your question, there definitely was a point that it changed. Um, what was that? And so for me, you know, junior came in, like I was saying earlier, you know, TJ was speaking in my life, Teresa was speaking into my life and then came an opportunity for me to just go all in. Mm -hmm. And that was my church was going to Haiti. We partnered with uh, an organization called Jacob's Well, and Mm -hmm. I would encourage anyone who's listening to go and look them up. Um, and they are just outside of, uh, Capetian. Uh, they're more close to Limbe. Uh, but they're located right next to a small village of, you know, an obviously very, very poor village that, that needs their help. Yeah. And so my church had partnered with them and uh, was inviting the high schoolers to, to go as the mission trip. And so when, you know, word went around the church that what we were doing, you know, they were at the announcements and everything. My parents were fully on board. You know, we'll, yeah. we'll do what we can. Um, you know, you, I'll still have to raise some money or ask for some money, mm-hmm. but you know, we'll do everything we can to make sure that you can go on this trip That's if awesome. you would like to go on this trip. And for me, I'm not going to lie. At the time, it was, I've never been out of the country. <laughs> I've only run it on a plane once. This, that would be really cool. Yeah. Um, and so those, those were honestly the reasons why I took the trip, you know. And I guess thank God that those reasons were big enough to make me go. Um, and so Haiti, for me, changed everything. Yeah. I went there and, you know, got to compare my life to their life and just see the vast differences on how they live. I got to see God speak through through people uh, that talk through the Haitians, you know. Um, 
a large part when we were there was VBS and solar panels. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the kids in the morning and the day would, would come into Jacob's well. And, you know, I don't speak Creole. Most of the people that went did not <laughs> speak Creole. So during each station, we would mostly help the leaders that were there that did speak Creole. Uh-huh. Um, but nonetheless, you could still tell that they were impacted by us being there, the mm-hmm. kids. Um, and then the best part was we would get to, well, I should say the second best part. The best part was them, you know, teaching them the gospel and all about. But the second best part was getting to see them eat a meal yeah. that was, for some cases, would be their only meal for the next couple of days. Wow. Um, so then we would get to feed them. And then after all that was done, we would go down into groups in the village and put up solar panels. Um, and that was really amazing, too, because, you know, these people were, were so gracious and happy to be getting something that is so small. Yeah. And I think in the States costed, at the time, I want to say it was like 60 bucks for each solar panel. Oh, wow. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, very small, but had its own little plug, you know, mm-hmm. efficient, great. Only 60 bucks for us, you know? How many people throw away 60 bucks? But for them, life-changing. Yeah. You know, to have uh, a light in their house consistently. Because um, for them, in this village, they were mostly burning candles, yeah. you know? Um, and so it was really amazing to see that, to watch them, you know, graciously welcome you into their house and mm-hmm. show you what little that they had. Um, and then just be in tears after you finished putting up this little solar panel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that was truly amazing to see all of that. Um, how did that lead to like you committing your life for Christ? You know what I mean? Like how did that kind of, I, I think all of it together, you know, seeing the, the kids, how they reacted to Jesus, really honest to God, feeling his presence as we did different things every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the people that I met there too, um, the guy who runs Jacob Well, Jerson, I mean, the man wears his faith on the sleeve of his yeah. shirt. You know, it is, awesome. it is stapled there for all to see. Um, and then another guy who's, uh, he's got a church in Guyana. I think I'm saying that right, in South America. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a church there, and his name is Kofi. And so he actually joined us as well. And so Kofi was a really influential guy for me in that trip. Um, him and I attempted to be pen pals after that trip, <laughs> but it kind of it fizzled out a little bit. Yeah. But still, just a very influential guy in my life. Um, I'll never forget. At one point, uh, we were also when we were done doing all the solar panels that we had brought, we were doing sewing classes and uh, radio classes, and there was another class, but I, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. And so, me being a guy, I chose the sewing class. Um, and obviously I say that sarcastically. I was the only guy in there that chose the sewing one. And so before we had gone on the trip, I took a whole week, everyone that was in the class took a whole week to learn how to sew and Mm -hmm. learn the machine and whatnot. And at one point the machine had broken down and I don't remember what I did, but I I jerry rigged it to get it back working or something. I, I grew up, my dad was very mechanical and very, uh, I would say, I've been told that it's very Latin-esque, that mm. when something breaks, you fix it. Yeah. And in most cases, because when you come from a third world country, you can't just go out and buy another buy one. Another one yeah. And so um, that was very common in my house. My dad fixed everything that broke, from, from mm-hmm. cars to water heaters to you know holes in the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I grew up that way. And so very mechanically, hands-on type of guy. And so when the sewing machine broke, it was almost natural for me to go in and try to figure out how to do it. Yeah. I'll never forget afterwards I'd fix it. Everyone was like, oh, you know, great job, Jason, whatnot. Kofi goes, 
you're the next Einstein. And I just remember laughing like, it's just a sewing machine. <laughs> There's no <laughs> way. But I mean, just amazing guy. That's awesome. A yeah. um, lot of faith-driven people that, that showed me the life that Christ has to offer. Mm-hmm. You know, Jerson uh, especially. Um, I don't know if y'all want me to go into this now, but when I'd gone to Haiti the second time, that was a, a big influence as well. But. Mm-hmm. Well, as we kind of transition, like when you came to college at tech mm-hmm. like how did your mindset did it change or was did you have that mindset when you entered like freshman year does that make sense what do you know like what, what mindset you mean in that sense of like just the, having that rewire to, to commit to christ and all of that yeah like um was there a moment of of that yeah is that kind of what no I, I think i understand what you're asking yeah. um so I would say technically no, because when I got to college, the devil did one of the things he does the greatest, which was distract me mm-hmm. and put a whole bunch of new and, and crazy, exciting things in front of me. Yeah. And so when all of that crazy, new, exciting things came, uh, I put God on the back burner and was like, oh, look at these clubs. I, got, I started getting more uh, political. I got mm-hmm. into a political club and was really enjoying that. Um, I got into a bunch of different clubs as well. I started, I really liked my classes, getting into it. I majored in economics. So I really liked learning about economics. I remember reading a whole bunch of economic books my, my first couple of years of college. And so I just got really into that. And for a while, my freshman year, I did go to a couple churches that were offered on Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. I think it was Crew. I went to The Way, actually, at one point. Um, there was one other, Raider Church. I think those were the three I'd went to. Mm. And I actually had a a friend of mine who, there were not many people that went to tech from my high school. There's maybe like 10 of us. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't close with with any of them, to be quite honest. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there was one girl in particular who kept reaching out to me. Her name was Maya, Maya McCormick. Um, Real sweet girl. And I remember at one point I ran into her on campus and she wanted to invite me to her church and everything. And I went a couple of times. And I remember leaving the last time I went thinking to myself, no, God isn't calling me to this church. When in reality, I think God was calling me to any of those churches. Yeah. I just didn't want to listen. Mm. Um, and so that was my mentality those first years of church. Just, mm. no, God isn't talking to me any of these. And, ooh, look at all this cool new interesting stuff mm. that I'm getting to, you know, that I'm exposing myself to. Mm-hmm. That's obviously not who you are now. So how did you, like, what caused the change? What, what, what brought about that change? Because that seems... In a yeah. in stark contrast to who who you are and and who we've kind of gotten to know over the last year. Yeah, so. no, of of course. Um, I think that one was was less abrupt as my initial, uh, like Haiti was. You know, Haiti was a a good point that I could you know or mm. I could point to, and say you know that was the moment. While in college, it was more gradual. You know, mm. I moved out of the dorms and went into there, and I moved with uh, a guy who was uh, faith driven. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, believed in Christ, and it, more at that point, it was more apparent of Christ in his life than it was in my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you'd asked me, I'd still say, "Oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ and everything." Mm-hmm. Um, but it was more apparent in his life, and so that was an influence on me. Um, I started doing a little more reading, just here and there, on on theological books. Mm-hmm. One summer, when I went home, my church took me on an, on an internship, um, and that one was an interesting one. Because uh, that was the the summer after Harvey had hit Houston, mm. and so my church, which is known as Foundry, uh, had this program where other churches from across the nation could come to Houston, and our church had this this really interesting area. It had a bunch of random buildings. The history of it is is very interesting. It had a replica of the Alamo, mm-hmm. 
I don't know why someone wanted to put a replica value on this, but but anyways, uh, but in the replica had rooms, beds, and so you know they they had a housing area essentially, and so these churches would come, we would give them projects, houses within neighborhoods that were flooded in and needed work done on, and so they would stay with us. We would give them projects, and you know they volunteered to go and work on these projects, and so my job was that of kind of a greeter, and I would also work. I would coordinate with our construction team that knew what the house is. And so then I would tell the volunteer groups, okay, these are your houses. This is the type you're working to be doing. Mm-hmm. And I would kind of pair them with a, a construction guy as well. Um, and so I did that for, for all of summer. You know, and that was another interesting part to be able to see, you know, my hometown struck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to almost see not conditions like Haiti, but the same idea going to this area that was, and the whole house needed to be almost torn apart. And watching these people's lives, um, and so that really struck me as, as something else. That did a slow change in my heart. And there was one guy, or he was he was our old senior pastor, mm-hmm. and there was this little chapel on the property as well. And he was retired, but he did some nonprofit work, and so that's where he would work. And his name was uh, Godfrey. Mm-hmm. And uh, quick thing about Godfrey, he's also one of the most like faith-driven people I've ever met. Just You can tell he's a godly man and whatnot. Yeah. His story is incredible. He he built the largest Christian radio in Brazil when he was 14. He's got a story where he's in the streets in Brazil at like 12 on a, on a milk carton, mm-hmm. like a, a wooden one preaching. I mean, just incredible story. Mm-hmm. And so I always knew that, uh, that he was a resource there. Mm-hmm. And so I would always kind of tell myself, like, you should go and talk to him because I knew I was struggling. Mm-hmm. I knew that I was in this moment where I was working for a church, doing God's work, but not really feeling, you know, not really feeling it, mm-hmm. uh, not walking in that obedience in my day to day life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I remember one day I finally just kind of walked in his, his little office and was like, hey, this is this is what's going on in my life. And I remember him and I having a, a very long conversation. And at the end of it, he actually recommended me a, a book called uh, Tattoos on the Hearts. It's another really great book. Um, but, yeah, that was another impactful conversation. So, you know, just all these slow, gradual things. Uh, I had started uh, somewhere in there. I'd start a relationship, and it wasn't a Christ-centered one. Mm-hmm. But then towards the end of the relationship, her and I um, kind of decided to move more in a, in a Christ-like fashion. And mm-hmm. that, that really changed things around as mm-hmm. well. Man, that is really cool. You know, I like the fact that your story, it to me, like kind of zooming out and being able to look at it from an, um, kind of a third person point of view. Like, it's cool to see how God has like been continually at work in your life through a lot of different like little things and big things, but just like continuing to like several times you mentioned this idea of like a slow progression and like how God was just continuing to work in your life. That's really cool, man. Um, With that, we're going to move into our our, our next section. um, One of our closing segments, the book of the podcast. We want to hear a book recommendation from you. What's something that you've read recently or not that has been hugely impactful or that you've enjoyed or that, you know, like Christian, you hated, like the shack? (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I know I mentioned a bunch, uh, but I think one that I'll go all in right now that I'm currently reading Mm -hmm. is called Holy Sexuality and the Gospel. Yeah. Written by Christopher... I'm going to butcher the last name, but it's Yuan, I want to say, Y-U-A-N. And his testimony is really, really good. Yeah. Um, You know, I think for, 
you know, I'm I'm planning, I'm, I'm hoping to go into ministry and pastoral potentially, mm-hmm. and so I really think a a problem that's only going to get you know bigger and more exacerbated and just harder to almost handle, I would argue, is that of you know sexuality. Yeah. You know, well, what is the type of sexuality that Christ calls us to? And, you know, and then let's look at the world and what sexuality they're wanting to go to, you know, yeah. and I would almost argue, you know, they're trying to make almost anything sexualized nowadays. Yeah. Um, and so in his book, he really talks about what it means to have a holy sexuality, but not only what it means to have a holy sexuality, but then also how to have a conversation with those who see differently. Yeah. Than this type of sexuality that God calls us to, that of a holy sexuality, mm-hmm. and I think is very important in this day and age. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people easily get wrapped up in the, uh, you know, God hates gays, yeah. which mm-hmm. is so far from the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think a lot of Christians just don't know how to have that conversation, yeah. myself included. Mm-hmm. I, had, I have no idea what I would say. Um, and it, as I'm continuing to get older, it's you know coming more and more into my life to where I realize. Yeah man, I need to be prepared for this. Yeah. You know? That's yeah. awesome. I, I will say, you know, Elizabeth is actually, I think, I don't know if she's still reading it or, or not, but I know that that book's been on her nightstand for a while. Like that's so yeah. I've heard, I've heard good stuff about that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as we kind of wrap up into our last segment, um, we always ask a theological question. <laughs> um, and so the one for you today is how does the death penalty align with the Bible? Man, I love this question. (laughs) This is an interesting one. It was funny uh, when I was more political, as I was kind of referencing to earlier, Mm -hmm. I would always get told that uh, as a Christian, if I am, you know, against abortion, then I also have to be against the death penalty. Mm. Um, They were Mm. saying those two don't make sense. How can you value life in one instance, but then not value life in the other instance? And so, you know, my first response was, well, let's go to the Bible. You know, mm-hmm. if we go to the Old Testament, it is very clear in God's word that there are instances where he says, oh, no, you do the death penalty in these instances. Mm-hmm. When we look to the New Testament as well, I don't think there's a Jesus really condemning the death penalty. There's a couple mm-hmm. instances where he intervenes in a death penalty, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily to speak on the death penalty itself more of everyone's role in that death penalty hmm. and where are their hearts you know the, the woman who was getting stoned yeah. you know, first cast their stone um and i think of romans you know you must honor your government and whatever your government because you know god is abiding in that mm-hmm. and so my answer really comes down to man if if god is abiding in that government and the government has for whatever reason felt that the death penalty is necessary for each murder then i think we have to honor that mm-hmm. as christians and if that changes, then we honor the change that is within our government. You know, mm-hmm. of course, still looking towards the Bible and the law, mm-hmm. you know, that being our law first and foremost. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of where I've landed. Yeah, that's really good. Mm-hmm. But um, as we kind of wrap up, like, is there any last advice that you would have for the people who are listening? Um, yeah. Uh, always be asking questions. And if you ever meet someone who dismisses you for your question or thinks your question is dumb or almost doesn't give you an answer don't let that strive away uh go to someone else Mm -hmm. Uh, i i know me anyone who has ever asked me a question i will either give you the best answer i can or give you an i don't know you know i i really like that piece of advice one of the big things um for me when and I, i don't remember if i shared this in in my testimony or not episode one go listen to that if you haven't um 
Look at that. I'm plugging our podcast. (laughs) Um, But, you know, one of the things that really changed um, things for me, like viewing God, um, how I viewed him and and my relationship with him, um, or enabled that change, was being told that God is big enough for your questions. Like, I remember, like, there were a lot of questions um, um, as I got older that I remember being, like, kind of afraid to ask. Like, just like, ah, like... This is stuff I should either know or should just accept and like it's not okay to ask these questions or some of the questions um, I was afraid to ask because I didn't, I was afraid of the answer maybe um, or afraid that God wouldn't be able to answer some of those questions. Um, but I, I like that, like ask those questions again, like being told that God is big enough for our questions that he wants to answer those for us. Like that was a, a huge thing to me that, um, that really changed, I think, how I pursued him and, and you know, just the ability to be able to bring yeah. like I don't understand it. I need I need an answer to this question. Yeah. Like being able to bring that to him, like game changing. No, I, I agree. And uh, just to add on with that thought, you know, the other thing I would say too is that don't let the I I don't knows be you know the the block in your road path. Yeah. Oh, I went to my pastor. It wasn't really an answer that made sense to me. You know. Yeah. That's that's your jumping off point even more so. Yeah. Go out there and find it. You know. I've met so many people who have struggled with. With Christianity, I remember a conversation I had in high school, and a big part of her was just going, "Why well, I just don't understand it. I don't understand it." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Okay, so what are you now? What now are you going to do with what you don't understand? Yeah. You know, are you going to let that fuel you into finding the closest answer that you can get? You know, yeah. or are you going to stop there and you know shrug your shoulders and go, well, I just won't know. I guess." Yeah, yeah, that's really good, Jason. Thank you so much for being on, um, and thank you guys for listening. If you haven't already, follow us. On Instagram at Because He Did, and um, look at the show notes. Jason's book will be linked there if you guys want to go and give it a read. Um, but thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time.